This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Now, let's get a cup of tea and spend a few minutes together. Here's your host, wife, mother of three, and entrepreneur, Crystal Payne. It's episode 11 of the Crystal Pain Show, and like usual, we've got a packed lineup for you. But first, You guys, I've always said that I'm an introvert, and I am, but the older I get, the more I seem to be becoming an extrovert. What's up with that? Case in point, in September, we went on a camping trip with four families from our community group, two days, and then the next day, we got up really early in the morning and ran the Tough Mudder, which is a four-hour event, with two other couples. This was all in the same weekend. And here's the funny thing. I can't believe that this introvert here is telling you I was with people all weekend long and I had a great weekend. I'm going to talk more about this later in the show. And we're also going to talk about a great way to save on your cell phone bill. Plus, I want to tell you about this fascinating article that I spent way too long reading recently. In addition, I'm thrilled to be having a discussion on finding time for rest and what that really looks like in your life. This is with Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's the author of Sacred Rest. This is a book I read recently and I found so insightful. You do not want to miss her insights. And I'll close out the show by answering a question about how to find time to exercise when you have young kids. If you're new around here, it's time for the What's Saving My Life segment. It's that part of the show where I tell you about a productivity tip or life hack, an app, an idea I'm implementing, or something I've changed in my life that has made a big difference. Today, I'm going to take a little bit of a different angle than I usually take in this segment, and I'm going to talk about relationships, because truly, these are saving my life. Now, let me give you a little backstory. At the beginning of 2018, I set a goal for myself to develop a few new life-giving relationships. 
To be honest, I've struggled to make and keep friends all of my life, but I was desperately wanting more community and longing for more authentic female friendships. I knew that this would require work and effort, and it was scary to think of putting myself out there and the vulnerability it would require on my part to reach out, possibly face rejection, and keep reaching out over and over again. But I was feeling like I just didn't have a circle of people around me who truly knew me, and I craved this. So I started putting myself out there, invited a lot of people into our home. I invited people out to coffee, out to lunch. I opened up my heart. I shared honestly, and I kept reaching out. And some amazing relationships have resulted from this. I'll tell you, it's been a lot of work, and it's required me to be incredibly vulnerable, but it's also been the greatest gift in my life. There were two couples we had gotten to know through church and discipleship groups that Jesse and I are involved in, and we felt like there was something there with these couples. We we wanted to get to know them better, so we invited them over a few times, and we were kind of pursuing them, and I could tell that they were both hungry for deep relationships, but they were also scared of deep relationships, just like we were. One of the women suggested we should try going out as couples to this trivia night that's hosted weekly in our area at a local brewery. We went once, and it was so much fun. And as we were driving home, Jesse and I were saying, you know, wouldn't it be fun if we could do that every week? But I was a little scared to suggest this because no one else said anything like that. But then I was just like, you know what? This is my year of putting myself out there. So I decided to get brave, and I wrote a text the next day telling the women how much we enjoyed our time, how much Jesse and I are both longing for deep relationships with other couples, and how, in all honesty, we'd love to make this a weekly event. Now, truth be told, when I pushed send on that text, I felt really nervous. What if they wrote back and said they weren't interested? Wouldn't that kind of feel like I was being rejected? What if they thought I sounded kind of desperate? or weird for asking or for putting it out there. But I told myself, you just got to set those fears aside and just know that the only way you're going to move forward in relationships is if you just are willing to put it out there and be completely honest. Here's the thing. Both women wrote back within an hour, super excited about the idea, saying that they were absolutely all in. And then They both side-texted me personally to tell me that they couldn't believe I was brave enough to just put it out there like I did, and that they both felt the same way, but they were too scared to say it. I can't even begin to tell you what a gift these couples and trivia night has been in our lives. Just having that weekly commitment where we are going to spend time with other couples and have fun and just get away from our regular lives and just be together and just enjoy being with other people who are life-giving. And it's also sparked so many other fun things that we've done together, and we're constantly scheming up all sorts of fun new adventures for the future. One of the things that we decided to do was the 10-mile, 23-obstacle Tough Mudder. We did this together recently, and I talked about it at the beginning of the show. It was the third Tough Mudder for Jesse and me to do, but it was all of their first. And they definitely had a lot of fears and apprehensions going into it. But I have to say, it was amazing for all of us to work together as a team to go through the obstacles, to encourage one another when we felt like we couldn't complete an obstacle, to cheerlead each other on, to wait for each other when someone had a leg cramp or just needed to stop for a few minutes. It was a beautiful picture of how community is supposed to work. And it was also a ton of fun and an incredible memory for all of us. Truly 
Life-giving relationships like this are saving my life. I usually talk about a book I'm reading recently in this part of the show, but today I'm going to actually tell you about a fascinating article that I read. My husband actually found this and sent it to me, and I spent a few hours over the past two weeks reading it. It's on Politico.com, and it's an oral history of 9-11 from the vantage point of the people who are with the president and aboard Air Force One on the day of the attacks. As the beginning of the article says, it is based on more than 40 hours of original interviews with more than two dozen of the passengers, crew, and press aboard, including many who have never spoken publicly about what they witnessed that day. It traces the story of how an untested president, a sidearm-carrying general, top aides, the Secret Service, and the Cipro-wielding White House physician, as well as five reporters, four radio operators, three pilots, two congressmen, and a stenographer responded to 9-11. I've read many different books and articles on 9-11, and this had a lot of facts and perspective that I've not heard elsewhere. It was intriguing and interesting to read, and if you're a history buff like me, I think you'll want to read it. So it's on Politico.com, and of course, I'll link it in the show notes. Have you heard of Twigby? They are a company dedicated to providing fantastic phone service at great prices. If you are looking for a great deal on a phone, either for yourself or your teenager, I highly recommend checking out what Twigby has to offer. Unlike traditional cell phone companies, they give you the ability to create your own custom prepaid plan without a contract or an unnecessary activation fee. You don't have to mess with going to a store or picking out a phone plan. You just go to their site, pick your phone plan, and either switch your current phone over or get a new phone, and they set it all up for you. My favorite part about their service, in addition to their great prices, is that they offer plan flexibility with the ability to change plans or phones at any time for free. You're not locked into an expensive contract that has activation and termination fees. They also offer free overage protection so you can rest easy in knowing that you will never be charged for overages without your go-ahead. You have complete control. Now, I know what most of you are thinking right now. You're saying, is this really going to save me money? I mean, is it really worth even looking into? Well, when I visited the Twigby site for the first time, I was shocked at how affordable their plans were. Their basic phone plans start as low as $9 per month. They have a variety of plans, including those that offer unlimited texting and the option to include data. If you're wondering if you could switch your current phone plan to Twigby, just head over to their site, twigby.net forward slash crystal to check to see if you can switch. And also when you go to that link, you'll get an offer to save 25% off the first six months of your phone plan from Twigby. So visit twigby.net, T-W-I-G-B-Y.net forward slash crystal to find out more and save. And a big thank you to Twigby for sponsoring today's episode. On the very first episode of this podcast, I told you about Sacred Rest, a book that I can't stop talking about. And as soon as I was a few chapters in, I knew I had to ask the author to come on my podcast. So I'm so grateful that Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith agreed to an interview, and I can't wait to hear her insights today on the topic of rest. I know that I need to hear it, and we all probably need to hear what she has to say. So welcome to the show, Dr. Sandra. Hi, Crystal. Thanks for having me. 
I talk to so many women who are just walking around so tired and exhausted, yet they feel like this is the only way to live because there's just too much to do and not enough time for rest. And so I'd love to hear from you. What advice or encouragement do you have for that woman who just just feels exhausted and like, this is just her life. This is just how it's going to be. Well, the first thing is just that's that's a complete lie that our lives should not be so overwhelmed and under so much stress that we can't even enjoy the things that we're putting our energy into. I think what I'm finding is so many women, when they look at rest, they see it as this huge extra thing to add to their to list. And since they already feel overwhelmed, they don't really feel like they have time to add anything else. Mm-hmm. So when I'm working with them, the very first thing we start looking at is how they how they identify what rest is in their life. Um, some of the things that we are calling rest really don't measure up because for something to be rest to be effective in helping us rest, it should actually help us restore something. It should pour back into wherever we're pouring out. And so if we don't take the time to evaluate where we're pouring out in our lives and not just kind of globally looking at at rest as like sleeping or hanging out on the weekend, doing nothing, but actually looking at it intentionally about replacing specific areas of our lives that we're depleted in. That's when we really get the benefit of rest. That's when rest equals restoration. That's so good. And I loved in your book where you talked about the different types of rest. And honestly, there were some of them that I had totally, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, of course, sleep and all that. But there were other things in your book that I was like, whoa, I have never thought about social rest and sensory rest and creative rest and how I need to have that in my life too. And so I would love for you to just break it down, talk about the seven different kinds of rest and especially social rest and sensory rest and creative rest and just what that looks like in someone's life. Yeah, I'll start by just giving the seven kind of globally. Um, The seven are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. The first four, a lot of people have heard of, particularly the the first three, physical, mental, and spiritual. I think we Mm -hmm. pretty much know what those are. And then when we start looking at emotional, that one gets a lot trickier for most of us because when I talk about emotional rest, I'm talking about that ability to be authentic and to be authentic to the point that you are okay if everyone doesn't like you. Mm. Because I think sometimes we we have this uh, this people-pleasing uh, part of us that really wants everybody to like us. But yes. that's just, that's not scriptural and it's not realistic either. Mm. It's not realistic in any aspect of life. And so it puts an unnecessary stress on us. And included in that um, also is that ability to understand that when I say be authentic, there are going to be times in your life that inauthenticity is part of what we call professionalism. For example, you know, as a physician, people expect me to be a certain way when I'm in the emergency room. Uh, It's not appropriate for me to crack a joke when someone's dying on the table. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that you can't always let your normal personality, which mine has a tendency to be someone who's going to crack a joke at, at any moment to just come out at every situation. So it, we we learn inauthenticity in our professionalism, but we can't allow that to seep over into our, our personal lives where when we're with our family and our friends, we still have that same face on. Mm. There has to be those people where we are completely authentic. We are taking off the mask. And honestly, that number is few for most of us, but those people are critical for our sanity and our emotional health. Mm. 
And then when we look at social rest, social rest is a lot is understanding who is life giving and who is depleting in your life. And that doesn't mean that the people who deplete you are bad because for many women, our kids are depleting. They take they're taking from us. They require things from us. We're constantly giving. And so, yes, we get love back from them, but they are not able to pour back into our social tank the way a relationship would be with another woman who understands our situation or with even our spouses uh, reconnecting in that level. So it's important to see where you're pouring out socially. And for many of us, we're pouring out in our social media accounts Mm -hmm. uh, and we're not getting very much back from that interaction because it has a tendency to be more reflective on the good in everyone else's lives without really talking about things that are at the core of what's going on. So you see the pretty pictures, but you don't care about the 20 hours they did to get to that. Mm -hmm. So you don't get the realness behind it so that you can have a clear understanding. And then some of the other types of rest you mentioned were like sensory rest. Sensory rest is all of us are constantly under attack with our senses. So whether you're someone who works on the computer all day and your vision's being uh, bombarded with the lights and the blue lights and all, or if you're working, let's say, in an office space where you're, or even at home, where there's volume going on, you have kids screaming, or you're hearing the hum of the background noise of the offices and cubicles that are around you, um, or if it smells, or even touch. I know a lot of women have uh, have reached out to me to tell me, honestly, how their sex life has changed after they realize that they didn't want to be touched by their husbands mm. because they were sensory overloaded from all the touching they were getting from their kids during the daytime. And so it's recognizing where am I pouring out? Where, what area of my life is being depleted? And that's why I came up with the rest quiz at restquiz.com because that was the number one thing people had to understand. Until you identify where you are depleted, then you will continue to wake up tired every morning because sleep can't fix a rest deficit. Sleep and rest are not the same thing. Sleep is just one type of physical rest. Physical rest is divided into passive and active. So sleep can't fix emotional, spiritual, social, sensory, creative. It can't fix any type of rest other than part of the physical rest. So once we identify for someone which type of rest they're missing, then they can hone in on replacing and replenishing that specific type. I just took the rest quiz yesterday because I found it on your site. And I was like, this is so good because there were, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm, I'm doing really well in these certain areas. And then when I got my results back, I was like, oh, okay, not doing as well as I thought. So I, I would highly recommend that people go and take that. You said, what was the um, URL for that again? It's restquiz.com. Okay. Because I think it's it's just for us, if we don't know, we know something's not right, but not knowing exactly what it is that is out of whack. And so I felt like that was really helpful to then get an idea of, oh, maybe it's sensory rest or maybe it's social rest that I need. And instead of just saying, well, I guess I just need more sleep. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what we do. Or we say, I'm going to rest on the weekend. And then, uh, you know, what, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. We kick our feet up on the sofa and we watch Netflix rerun of some show. And so we get away from that 
and we we rested, we say, but we don't feel restored in any way. And and really rest equals restoration. So if you can't tell me what was restored, then it really wasn't rest. Mm -hmm. Whereas if that same person took that time and if they're experiencing a social rest deficit, Skyped in with their girlfriend, you know, 100 miles away that they haven't seen in forever, but who is someone who is life-giving to them, then they have that eye-to-eye contact, that that healing that comes from being in another's presence, and they are experiencing social rest without even having to leave their house, not making a big deal about it, just getting what they need so that they feel whole. Mm, Yes. And then creative rest, tell us about that. Creative rest is one that's really new in the science, and it's it's one that I think most people have never heard of, but we, we understand how it affects us. Uh, for example, you know, if you're someone who likes going to the beach because you feel better when you're there, the science and the literature is showing that we actually, when we do MRIs of people's brain, when they're looking at nature scenes and beaches and things that are calming, that they, there's actually a release that we can physically tell that it's affecting us internally. And so the same thing happens when at our offices. Yeah, oftentimes people will tell me they they don't spend time, waste time. They say, I don't waste time decorating up my corporate office or wherever I'm working at or make a big deal about keeping the house kind of tidy so that it's, it's nice to look at. And what happens with that is if we don't take the time to create beauty, whether in the natural forms or in pictures and creative art, then we, we never get to that point where we feel like life is fun and enjoyable and, and filling. Mm. And I think we need to put more of an importance on not creative work. Because sometimes I'll say creative rest and people tell me, oh, well, I did an art class somewhere. Mm-hmm. Is that creative rest? That's creative work. You're working. You're, you're using your creativity to produce something. So production is work. Creative rest is enjoying the fruit of what's been produced already, Mm. whether it's natural or man-made, whether it's music or the symphony or the theater or art or nature. We have to understand that there is an appreciation from beauty that heals us on the inside. That's so good. And for those of you listening who are thinking, well, okay, I'm going to go take the rest quiz and I'm going to try to figure this out, but then what do I do? I wanted to mention that in um, Dr. Sandra's book, sacred rest. There are so many practical examples in each of the sections for each of these areas of rest that she tells you how you can actually implement this in your life. So if you're wanting practical takeaways, that would be a great resource. Go get a copy of her book, Sacred Rest. Okay. So Dr. Sandra, I know that your life is very full. And so we're talking about practical ways to make rest a priority. What does that look like for you in your own life? For me, it it started off really with learning how to say no, Mm -hmm. how to make um, honest choices about what is important to me. And I found that my desire oftentimes was to be a people pleaser. So I would say yes, because I didn't want to offend anyone. But honestly, personal boundaries have to be offensive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, boundaries by nature have to have some confrontation associated with them. So people are not going to necessarily appreciate that you have personal boundaries, but they're vital for our own sanity. So I had to really learn my own values and what's important to me, erect some personal boundaries and learn how to give an honest no rather than give a reluctant yes, because my honest no is going to be more true to what I need. And it's going to be better for the person who I'm interacting with, because it's not going to create these false pretenses about what, what I'm willing to do. Mm. That is so good. An honest no rather than a reluctant yes. I love that. 
Okay. So for the questions that I ask all my guests now, I'd love to hear what you are reading right now. I just cracked open Hallelujah Anyway by Anne Lamott. So I'm mm. looking forward to that. I've been wanting to read it and hadn't had time. I've been going through all the, the bestsellers. I, re- I just finished up Girl, Wash Your Face. And so I'm moving on to the next book now. And I love reading. I'm always reading. <laughs> yeah, I find for me, reading is one of those things that is very restorative to me. So it's part of the rest thing when I just, you know, step back with a good book and just get caught up in story. That's really restorative to me. So, okay. And then also what's saving your life right now? This could be a productivity tip or life hack, an app, an idea you're implementing, anything that's making your life better, easier, or more enjoyable. Honestly, the two things that are making my life better are in the kitchen. I just got hooked up on the air fryer and the Instapot. Mm, Yes, I'm a big Instapot fan. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out all, what all I can do with both of these, but my family loves sweet potato French fries, and that is a chore yes. to get them in a healthy way. And so I am just in love with this air fryer con- contraption. <laughs> I've got to figure out how all of it works, but I'm I'm loving it so far. We went over to a family's house for dinner, and they had made stuff in the air fryer. And my husband and I both looked at each other and were like, "I think we need one of these." <laughs> You definitely need one. Uh, and it's very healthy. I was amazed at how little oil you have to put in. It was just, it's its a phenomenon. Mm, <laughs> it's yes. awesome. Well, we'll have to look into that. And the Instapot is the best thing ever. I'm still figuring that one out. I'm trying to, my kids are really picky with eating. So I'm trying to find things that don't come out all mushed up, but they'll still love in the Instapot. <laughs> yes, that, you know, figuring that out. But yes, we've cooked a lot of different meats and all sorts of different things in there, mac and cheese. And yes, I especially, oh. I especially love it for, we, we go through a lot of hard boiled eggs and it makes the best hard boiled eggs. And it, it's really easy to do rice and, and things like that, that you would usually have to watch on a stovetop because it's boiling mm-hmm. and you'd have to turn it off. And so I love that you just push a button and then you don't have to worry about it. Awesome. I hadn't heard about the hard boiled eggs. I have to look that up. Yes, the shells just peel right off. So I actually have a beginner's guide to making hard-boiled eggs in the Instapot on my site because so many people were asking me and they were so scared of their Instapot. So that was the first thing that I made in my Instapot. And I did a Facebook Live unboxing my Instapot and then making it. And it was quite comical because I had no clue what I was doing. And it's a little scary at first because all the venting and the steam. And I was so glad I was on live video because I would have probably blown it up or something because I... I didn't know you had to push the vent. You know, I, I just, I didn't know. So it was, it was comical, but yes. So now I try to help people not be so scared of their Instapot. That's one of my goals in life. Well, awesome. thank you so much for joining us today. And I just want to, again, encourage my listeners to go take the rest quiz. Um, like I said, I just did that yesterday and I found the results really eye-opening and helpful. And of course, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then obviously go check out Sacred Rest. It was such a fantastic read and one that I would highly recommend. When I first started the podcast, I asked for suggestions on what topics people would like me to cover. One that came up over and over again was the topic of exercise. So I wanted to tackle that in today's question for a Q&A segment. This comes from Julie. She says, you seem to be very consistent in the area of exercise. Any tips on how you did it when your kids were younger? And did you involve them in your workouts? Julie, this is something that a lot of moms ask about, and I always start by saying that no matter your season of life, if you don't make exercise a priority, 
there's a very good chance it's not going to happen. It takes dedication, motivation, and commitment to stick with consistent exercising. I'm sure you all know this, but it's so worth it. Not only because you'll probably feel better, but you'll also have more energy. Now, when I had young kids, I found that the best way to guarantee I got an exercise was to do it first thing in the morning as much as is possible. It seemed like if I didn't do it first thing in the morning, it just wouldn't happen. Before I knew it, the day would be over with and I'd be exhausted and ready for bed and I hadn't exercised yet again. So here are some practical things that worked for me to help me fit in exercise when my kids were little. When I had a baby or a toddler, I'd have to put them in the playpen and I'd give them a few special toys to play with and then I'd have it in the same room that I was in exercising. This will usually buy you at least 10 to 20 minutes worth of exercise time, especially if your child can't climb out of the playpen yet. We'd sometimes do it together. If I didn't get exercise in before my kids got up, they would often just come and exercise with me. It wasn't quite as productive or efficient, but it was a great way to be with them and to model prioritizing exercise. Plus, we'd have a lot of fun with it. Or you could take advantage of nap time. If you were energetic enough to not lie down and take a nap while your child naps, this could be a good time to get in a quick workout. What about turning on a movie? When my kids were really little, I sometimes would plan their movie time to coincide with my exercise time. Or you could have a special basket of toys. This would be a great thing that you could just have only for when you exercise, just a special tub or bucket of toys that your kids got to play with when mommy's exercising. Another option is just to go outside and play together, get some fresh air, play tag or swing on the swing set at the park. Of course, that might not be a strenuous workout, but it's something and something is always better than nothing. Or finally, one of my favorite ideas is to just take your kids on a walk. Strap your child in a stroller and go on a brisk walk around the neighborhood. Or if it's too cold to walk outside, you could just head to the mall or another indoor location and get in your walk then. Now that I've given you some practical ideas that work for me, I just want to leave you with this reminder. If you're in a season with babies and toddlers, please give yourself grace. If you're exhausted, that's not the time to exercise. You probably just need some sleep. Or if you only have energy for a 10-minute workout, or to play with your child at the park, that's totally okay. Don't beat yourself up over what you can't do. Just do the best you can and be free from guilt. As always, if you have a question on any topic you'd love for me to answer on a future episode, just email it to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.